welcome to the Business of Property Podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. And we're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. And interestingly, we say anything and everything property, but we're going to start with something that's not property, but is related to investing, which is Simon's dabble in the world of crypto. And the last instalment wasn't wasn't great news, Simon. I think he'd lost the value of what he'd put in. So with bated breath, what's what's happening there? Yeah, so I think, I'm not sure if it was actually in the last update, but certainly around that time, the, the, the value of my crypto investment had roughly halved. And uh, I'm very pleased to report that it has regained that that loss. And it is now worth roughly what I what I put into it. So, uh, so yeah, woohoo! I haven't lost money. <laughs> How long ago did the investment start? What what time period are we talking about? Oh, uh, I can't remember actually off the top of my head. I think it's something in the region of two to three months, something like that. So yeah, it, during that time, the, the crypto markets had a, a big big drop in value, and my investment dropped with it. And since then, it's it's climbed back a little bit, and uh, and yeah, it's now now worth. Just a few pounds more than I, I put in. So hopefully it's going to keep climbing. Although it's actually down slightly today compared to yesterday. <laughs> not not that I'm looking every day. Def- definitely not, no. Obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we shall see. Although you say it's not property related. I actually had a conversation with somebody this morning about blockchains and their potential use and disruption of the property markets. And I, I am very sceptical about this but yes may, maybe maybe there will be at some point one day uh, a link back from cryptocurrency and blockchains into the property world i'll take that tenuous link whether the whether the listeners will take it is another matter i, I think it's good enough at least for today and yeah we, we should move on so i think in your update Stuart, you're going to be talking about snagging yeah well you you shared a report with me that said that. Two percent of all new builds don't require snagging. When I think we we both spat our coffees out of that one. <laughs> I mean, in, yep. in any other circles, saying something is you require it ninety eight percent of the time feels significant. But for any new anyone that's bought new build before, to not have any snagging just just doesn't feel possible to me. So, obviously, quick one for those that that haven't bought new builds. Snagging is is ex- exactly what snagging is. Is is you have a walk around the property, and you, you actually have this in other environments as well. We have this when we, you know, if we're doing a refurb or uh, an extension, we'll go around and we'll, we'll do a snag list. And and essentially, that is just the acceptance that when you're doing anything, particularly work with, that is involved with building, it's always going to be things that just don't come out right haven't worked and that could be the quality of the grout it could be that a door has been incorrectly hanged it could be scratches on the window is my case but what you have in new builds is you have a seven day snag list certainly for this house building company anyway so you have a seven day list which is all the things obviously you notice in the first seven days and then you have a 30 day and so so that stat to just say that if you think that the house builders that we've got are building hundreds and hundreds of houses on one development to to have them build a house perfectly i mean if if that happens then you know it's going to be a good day 
but to to have it perfect would would just just seems beyond and perfect two percent of the time i mean that's two houses and every hundred that you build comes out absolutely perfectly not not yeah. a single single thing missing a a, a bit of paint or a, a single issue throughout an entire house i can't i'm sorry i don't believe that well as soon as you say the two percent two out of a hundred i immediately say well i want i want that one <laughs> give me those two <laughs> yeah yeah quite i mean when i went through the the new build snagging process it's quite a long time ago now god dear 13 years 12, 13 years from that development yeah yeah right so I'm, I'm going to be trying to dredge up some distant memories but yeah the, we had a long long list i mean it didn't help that they rushed uh our completion through for various reasons that i think i've mentioned in past episodes and won't go into again but it was a long list and i think even a, a non-rushed completion will have a reasonable list of snags and indeed there are actually commercial companies that just come in and write snag lists for you they, they will look around a property and they, they know the sorts of things that builders often miss and, and don't quite finish up and they will, will write you a, a snag list that you can then take back to your your builder and get them to, to fix everything we, we, we didn't do that we did it ourselves and how are you sure do you you do this your yourself Yes, I didn't get the butler to do this one. We decided to do the, our own list with post-it notes. I was just thinking that the thing that I, I always recognise, so we, it's, it's obviously a new builder saying, and the, our street is a cul-de-sac. But what seems to have happened, just based on the fact that we're already communicating and, and have good relationships with the neighbours, is that the further down the cul-de-sac, so we're kind of like about four or five houses just from the last house. But as we speak to each neighbour, the snagging list seems to get more and more intense. And my kind of funny anecdotal view on that is that all of our houses were, funny enough, due to complete on the 30th of June with a certain stamp duty holiday. And I believe that there might have been a, a requirement of expediency as the the people that were finishing off and doing the final bits of work got had yeah. to do. Where, where the, the time between starting to build the house and having to finish building the house got shorter. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they, you got further down the street, so they started those houses later. So, so, yeah, they had less time to actually finish. Yeah, and it, so you can just imagine that, that, that all the final fixes as they go down the, the road, just uh, getting more and more urgent. And I have to say, my wife and I are, I think we, we are definitely on the more relaxed side of the spectrum where... To be honest, I've had to work really hard to to write these things down. But th- of course, you think as for anything you buy, whether it's a a car or you know a, a toaster. Actually, when you pay something for something, you expect it to be in the condition. And so, for example, as we've we've walked around the house, there were a couple of scratches on the window, and and originally I wasn't overly concerned by them. But actually, we started looking at them, as, and we we said to ourselves, well. If we just paid for our windows to be fitted, then would we be happy with this? And we said, no, we probably wouldn't. And so, okay, let's let's raise it as an issue. And interestingly, the, the guy that we had to walk around with said, well, if you can stand three metres away and not see it, then it's not really an issue, which which we don't believe is an actual thing. We think that's just a, oh, don't, don't bore me with this one. So we have actually followed that one through. But it, we actually went round and, and my wife put post-its near all of the issues. And what was good was that the house builder in this instance, and I don't know if they all do it, I'm, I'm guessing they might do, but is when they come back in to do the, the final snags and the touching up, 
even where you've caused some issues from moving in, like, you know, dragging a wardrobe up the stairs, or if you've got a four-year-old like me that, that has already decided to drag one of his toys along one of the hall walls, they will actually tidy that up for you because they're going around with a touch-up paint and uh, we'll do that. So that's actually quite a nice little touch, actually. Yeah, our, our builders said the same thing, actually. They said they, they were quite happy to, to touch up marks and, and what have you from, from moving in. I mean, as it happens, they needed to mostly repaint after we moved in, not because we destroyed the house already, but because I hadn't painted it the first time. So, uh, so yeah, that was a, a bit of a hollow gesture, really. But they, they did say it anyway. And, and yeah, I think they, they would. And on, on your window thing, I think, and certainly while we were deciding what should be a snag and what shouldn't, one of the, the questions we came up to ourselves was, while we can sort of stand it now, having noticed it, every time you walk past that window or, or that issue, you're going to notice it. And over months and years, you're going to keep noticing it and it's going to keep bothering you. And you're going to keep thinking, well, that was there from the start. We could have had it fixed. And why the hell didn't we? <laughs> because it's, it's just going to keep nagging and keep bothering. So, so yeah, that, that was one of the questions we, we asked ourselves. Is, is it going to keep bothering us into the future? And if it is, then it, it does need to be fixed. Yeah. And, and that's where you come to. It's like, well, let, let's just raise this now. And if they came back and said, because of the size and scale of the issue, we won't do anything. Yeah, I consider it a first world issue and hey-ho, we move on. But yeah, there are a couple of things that absolutely did need addressing. So uh, plasterboard ceilings, quite interesting, where they tack them in into the ceilings. We had one that you could that was already visible was starting to drop through the ceiling. And funnily enough, we, ha- we hadn't noticed it before until the neighbours said that they had, it was quite prevalent in their house. So they had several. And again, this, this leads to my sort of conclusion that maybe that things were a bit rushed towards the end because we, we've only had one so far that they had to cover over. But the, the other major things from us, I guess, were, well, the, the big thing was that the garden was sloping down and water was collecting on the very minimal patio. So that, that kind of needs addressing, which so far they've been quite amenable to. And, and they were the big things. I mean, the, the rest of it is just really scratches and marks where perhaps people haven't taken as much care to finish work that they should do. You know, drawers in the kitchen, not having soft closers, whereas some did, you know, real, real basic stuff. I mean, the one is one of those, like you say, that if, once you've noticed it, if you don't address it there and then, it will always bug you. The one that I think about is that when you go into the kitchen dining area, there's a light, two light switches, one for the kitchen area, one for the dining area, but they transposed them. So actually, when you went into the kitchen and switched what you assumed would be the kitchen light, it switched on the dining light. But of course, you just go to the switch on the right and it doesn't want that. There's only an inch. And that was one of those where I think, oh, God, you know, do I really have to report on this? It's just such a silly thing. But it was one of those things that would just bug me. For, I mean, you get used to it. I've already had to re-get used to it. Now they've they fixed. But it's a you know it's a it's a two minute fix, isn't it? You know they just unscrew the thing, turn it around, and and, and put it back on again. But it's it's little things like that that I think will always come up in the snagging, which is why to bring this back around to have two percent that are that have zero, you know, unless they are put in for the you know the the CEO of of Charles Church or whomever the building company is, I just can't imagine that would actually happen. Yeah, quite. I mean, I, I liken it to building a software product and the sort of snagging and sort of the, the user acceptance testing at the end. But 
you, you build a software product, you test it as you're developing it yourself uh, as a developer. And then when you're working on larger projects, generally you'll then have a, a testing team or perhaps you'll be pairing with another developer who will then, then do testing for you. And you may well have automated computer tests, checking things. But still, after all this within team testing, it'll go out to the, the, the customer and they will then look at it afresh and they will find little issues with it or maybe even big issues with it some project, on some projects. And some of those might be things that they're, they're sort of differences of opinion. So the customer was expecting something and the, the specification and the developer's view created something slightly different. But most of the time, they are, they are bugs. And you have all these layers to check things and you still end up with some things that need fixing sort of at the, the last stage before going out and, and being considered finished. And indeed, in fact, in software, finished is, is often not really ever finished. I'm not sure that really applies to houses, but anyway. So even if you've got a, a very diligent painter and then you've got a site manager who is also very diligent and walks around the house very carefully, they're not living in the house. They're not looking at these walls 24 hours a day and, and they just won't spot everything. So there, there's always going to be things that, that need to go on a snagging list that need to be, be fixed up once you're actually living in a, a property. 2%. No, don't believe it. Never. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And uh, they are like bugs. The snags are like bugs. And, you know, it just reminded me of the other one, the front door. So, again, someone might put the front door and you get the site manager to come through. He does his walk around. He's got his checklist, walks around, tick, 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 and out he goes. But the issue might not happen on the first door open and close. It might happen on the third, the fourth, or the fifth when someone's living in it. And that's why that's why you have the seven-day and a 30-day thing. And you know, we had the issue where actually the first week we moved in was a really nice sunny week. The door, front door expanded. And before you know it, the doors dropped and we can't shut the front door properly. And, and that's a snag. And that's, you know, there's no, there's no blame attached to it. It's just what happened. Someone came in and guess what? It took him like five minutes just to, to rehang the door, given the fact that, you know, there'd been a bit of living in the property and, and some of these things happen. And, and, and that's just how it is. So. Yeah. Oh, I've got a good, I've got two good front door stories actually for our house. It's relating to snacking, of course. One of them, when we moved in, you could close our, our front door. And if you didn't lock it, you could just open it just with a handle from either the inside or the outside. And, and we, we sort of said, well, this, this is lovely. And I'm sure this is a, a wonderfully trusting and, and trustable community that we're living in. But we're not actually sure about people being able to just walk up to our front door and walk into the house. <laughs> we, we would quite like to to not have it opening from the outside but at the same time we would like to be able to open it from the inside if we wanted that we don't don't want to need a key and we we knew this was was possible because the previous place we lived in was like this and so you can get locks like this and and yeah we went through uh several people trying to solve this dismantling the door dismantling the lock turning things around and i think two maybe three people had spent a few hours working on this and concluded, I'm, I'm really sorry, but we, but we can't do this. It's, it's just not possible with this lock and this door. And the site manager comes back and says, oh, right, no, 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 of course you can do it. I can't remember if it, was, if it was him or whether he had to then go and get his sort of lock specialist. But yeah, then five minutes later, it was solved. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, considering they're doing hundreds of those on that development, why that one would not be doable. No, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine that 
everyone on this development has has doors that can just be open from the outside without a key. So yeah, I, I'm sure other people would have had the the correct setup from the start and certainly after us. But yeah, it, it just goes to show that you, you you just need to have the right knowledge, and and having that right knowledge is is often invaluable because it was a five minute job that a couple of other people had wasted a couple of hours trying and failing to solve. Just needed the right knowledge. But yeah, the other other front door snagging problem was, I mean, you, you know what the door looks like, Stuart, or you probably do, but the, uh, I need to try and describe it for, for listeners. So we've got a, a front door that is a, uh, encased in a sort of timber frame, which then has the, the brick around that. So the, the, the timber element of it over time, while we're, we're living here, a bit similar to, to your door sort of dropping as the, the temperatures changed and things, didn't fit properly. So we went back and forth and things with them, trying to work out how best to solve this and things. And over time, as it dried out and things, the, the sill at the bottom of the, the door actually developed a crack. So he said, right, this, this is definitely no good. We, we, we need to get this fixed. So they tried filling it and things, but it was one of these things where we, it was going to always bother us. So we said, no, no you, you've got to actually fix this properly. And yeah, it was, it was quite amazing. They, they took out this entire section of the front of our house in order to replace it around the door. Um, I think that was necessary. I don't think there was any other way to do this, just to replace this cracked sill at the bottom. But yeah, it was just amazing seeing seeing how it all fitted together and, and seeing a, a huge chunk of our house missing <laughs> while, while they're working on it for a day. <laughs> Yes, all, all worked and all, all sorted out in the end. We, we have a, a locking front door and, and it does still open and we don't have a crack in the sill under it. So it's all good. All's well that ends well. But uh, yeah, to have the front of the house removed for a door seems quite excessive. Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't even it wasn't even the whole thing. It, it, the, the thing that sort of was the ultimate thing that needed fixing was just a crack in the, the sill under the door. But yeah, you had to take out, I don't know, it was the size of three doors worth ish on the front of the, the house <laughs> and i'm just thinking for a, anyone listening around you know how to go about the the snagging and i think the way we did it was first of all obviously just kept a we just kept an open pad in the middle of the kitchen which was you know we said to the kids if you know if anything happens just just come and write it down and there were some simple things where i'm sure i could have well i, I could have fixed a couple of things but i kind of just left them to to run through and it, and it always helps with a guy that is paid to to do it is is actually super super helpful i mean there are a couple of things where we needed door handles changing and he actually said oh i've got he said i'm not sure they're going to keep making these door handles so i'll leave you one if you like in a box which you know, i won't mention his name or anything just in case that's not allowed but that that really helps when you've got people help so i think uh, just being able to have that list and then what we did was that the major things particularly up with the windows, we just started putting post-it notes literally on the walls, on the windows. As as awful as that was to look at for a couple of weeks, it, it just meant that we, we didn't lose sight of it. Uh, and my f- sort of final view is, is, is a bit like with your door. I think you do have to persist, and I think we will with the windows as well, because I, I do come back to that where there is a huge part of me that says, just let it go, it's a window, and, and the scratch isn't huge. However, if, if it were brand new, it, it wouldn't be acceptable. And I think they've got people It is now. brand new. That's the point. It is. Yeah, it, it is brand new. It is brand new. Exactly. Sorry, if not if it were, it is brand new. 
But if we had bought it just separately ourselves, just paid window fitters to do just the windows, that's how we'd approach it. So why wouldn't we do it? It's exactly the same, as you, as you say. And, you know, they've got people. And, and we had issues with the, we've got granite work surface. It sounds very nice, but that's probably the one bit where we did spend a bit of extra money. We've, we've kind of gone for the sort of standard. That, that was the one thing we, we added as well, actually, to our kitchen. Yeah, and it makes a difference. Basically the same, except the granite worktop, paid extra for yeah. the granite worktop. Yeah, don't regret that at all. But again, there was a, a little scratch in there, maybe, maybe only an inch or so. And I think a lot of people might be like me, where they just go, oh, it's a little scratch. But then equally, you're like, hold on, we've just, this is the, the upgrade. So again, post-it nose goes down and, and actually they do fix it. So I, I guess the thing is, don't let anything go. If you're uncomfortable or slightly unhappy with put it down. And in certain situations, you, you do have to be quite forceful, like we are with the windows saying, look, this isn't acceptable. And you might say that you can't see it from three meters, but that doesn't negate the fact that it exists. You know, it's a bit like the, you know, the tree falling down in the forest. No, just, just because we didn't hear it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It, it's happened. It's there. So I think they're the key things and, ju- and just follow through. Yeah. From, from a process point of view, I definitely recommend keep a list, write it down, put it in a spreadsheet, whatever your preference is. But, but keep a list and then walk around with them, show them, give them a copy of the list. Don't give them your only original copy. Make sure it's a, a, a duplicated copy. So you've got your own list. That you can then double check afterwards because there will be things that they, they then miss when they come back and, and snag. I mean, we, we did this. We, we made lists. We gave them a copy. They took it away. They brought it back and walked around the house and fixed things, supposedly. And then when we go around with the list to check them, they've missed odd ones here and there. And yeah, you, you have to, to follow up and, and double check. And uh, yeah, make a list, stay organized and uh, double check. And this is where we knew our guy was really good because he took our lists and walked around with our lists and put notes next to it. So, so some of the things he couldn't fix because they were sort of beyond his um, capability or, or, or knowledge. But, you know, he he'd write notes next to it, which was just really good. So it was very good. But, I mean, any house builder worth its sort will have a process for that and have, you know, there is paperwork to, to fill in. I hate administration, but still made sure even when, you know, the site manager would say, oh, just give me your list and I'll do that. But I still made sure that we'd submitted the actual lists on email to the house building company because as nice as people are, and you know, they might, it might even be unintentional, but they'll forget conversations, things will happen and you need to make sure that it's all been logged and you've got an audit trail for that. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think anyone maliciously missed snags that we'd reported or anything like that it's just people being rushed or oversights or forgetting or getting interrupted or whatever just just normal natural everyday things so, so it's just just why you need to stay on top of it yes and as you say submit them officially make sure that that they they are recorded one thing that we did come up against sort of later on as we noticed some things is that they, they sort of said well actually for that sort of thing you you needed to have reported it earlier and now at this point it's it's considered sort of wear and tear type thing even though it had existed earlier but we just hadn't noticed or hadn't got around to it i think we had situations of both actually so there, there was the things where we're, we weren't on top of things enough there but uh, yeah it's important to do i can't believe we spent about 20 minutes talking about snagging Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> who knew it would be such an interesting subject to us well it's interesting to us and hopefully has been of some interesting use to the listeners out there if it has, please do leave us a cheeky little rating and or a review. 
And as always, if there is anything we can pluck out that is of use from this episode, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll also put it on the businessofproperty.com. Other than that, we'll see you next week.